0: In James chapter one, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, and we all lack wisdom, we don't know the future. We don't sometimes have all the facts. If uh, God had does so, he knows. Uh, So the scripture says, if any of you lack wisdom, that's all of us, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. In other words, every young person needs to pray and uh, discern what God's uh, wisdom is and direction is for them specifically. Uh, everyone's situation is different, so we all need God's specific direction. Uh, remember, only God knows the future, Isaiah 46.10. And only God is in control, Psalms 103.19. And so we need to pray and ask God for His specific wisdom and direction as to what you should do to, to pay off your debt completely and, and, and as, as quick as you, as, as you can. So. The second point I'd like to make out of the seven is to regularly study and meditate on God's Word. Psalms 119.24 says, Your statutes are my delight, they are my counselors. And Psalms 119.105, I love this scripture, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. As you prayerfully study God's Word on finances, God through His Spirit uh, and His Word can highlight scriptures that can give you specific direction. I, I think of a particular young man who was thinking of going to a particular Uh, university that was out of town and as he prayed, uh, God just directed him to 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 stay at home, to be content with um, uh, staying at home and attending the university in his town and that saved a lot of costs. He avoided all the uh, accommodation costs. So you need God's specific wisdom and direction. God can certainly give you a peace or a lack of peace. I think of another uh, actually, a young woman that was thinking of of, um, going into a particular program that was quite long and um, And she was also thinking of buying a car. And she prayed about it. And God didn't give her peace about that. And so she had to use transit, which was fine. It saved her a lot of money. So had she bought the car, she would have taken on a car loan and and had quite a bit of debt. So God didn't give her peace about doing that, so she didn't do it. So I can think lots of examples where God can direct you through His Word and He can also direct you through His Spirit. I can say this. When a young person uh, or couple encounter... Financial difficulties, generally, I'd say 98% of the time, and I've seen thousands of cases in the last 40 years, 98% of the time it's because they violated biblical financial principles. Often, unknowingly, they, they know about tithing. Remember, tithing and giving represents 3% of the 2,300 scriptures in the Bible that apply to finances. The other 97% apply to other areas of finances. That's where most people have limited or no knowledge. Can you think of any of the, uh, the biblical principles that a young person might typically uh, violate in of finances? Can you think of any? Uh, think about that for a minute. Here's what I had. Having no savings for an unexpected expenditure. In Proverbs 21.20, it says in the house of the wise, there is a storage of choice food and oil but a foolish man devours all he has. At that time, most people were farmers. So the modern-day application of this, so f- what farmers did, they would store their their they have their savings and commodities, choice food and oil. Today, you can have your savings in a, in a savings account at a bank. So um, the biblical principle is to have some savings. Most people have no savings. They spend all their regular income, and uh, when an unexpected expenditure comes along or even an expected one, they're forced into debt. So the, having no savings is violating a biblical principle. God wants us to have some savings. It's biblical. Another biblical principle that's violated often by young people is taking on too much debt, which God warns of, or buying things that they do not need because of covetousness. In Exodus chapter 18, God warns, one of his commandments is, is that you shall not covet your neighbor's ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And so often young people are buying things they really don't need because they're coveting what a friend has or just a lack of contentment. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist said, be content with your pay, and we need to learn to be content with whatever God has provided. Another one is giving God the leftovers instead of the first fruits. Um, Even young people uh, can give to God's work if they make it a priority, but so many uh, don't, uh, taking the position, well, I don't have that much income. But you know, God doesn't look at the amount of income you have or the amount that you can give to the Lord's work. He looks at the heart. Remember the parable of the widow in Luke chapter 21? All these people that were quite well off were filing by and putting large amounts into um, the offering plate. This widow came along and she put in two copper coins, which means two mites, which was like two pennies. It was immaterial in terms of monetary value. But Jesus said she put in more than all the rest because they gave out of their plenty and she put in all she had to live on. She she gave, gave sacrificially and young people can give sacrificially to the Lord's work as well. Another point is not having a budget. This is a really common one. Most people in this country, most people in the world, do not have a budget. And uh, God admonishes us to plan ahead in the parable of the tower. Luke uh, uh, chapter 14, Christ said, if you don't plan ahead, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, you're foolish. And uh, so most people, you need a budget. And for young people, basically work during the um, the summer months full time and develop a budget on what it's going to cost you in the next uh, uh, school term and also work diligently part-time during the school year so that you can have enough money and you don't have to go into all kinds of debt. I've seen cases where, where people, um, students uh, don't plan ahead and they actually cannot finish uh, university or college because they run up so much debt they can't take on anymore and, uh, and they can't finish it and that's, that's just not good. I can tell you this, most employers want to see that you've completed degrees and if you haven't completed a degree, if you've only done half of it, it doesn't look good on a resume and it it could hurt your job opportunities, no question about that. The third thing is evaluate your present financial position. Um, What are your assets? What's your liabilities? Now, Normally for young people the assets aren't much, but sometimes they have some things they can sell on Kijiji or whatever and generate some some money. What are your liabilities? Face your financial facts. What is your current income and what are your expenses? Um, In Proverbs 27, 23, it says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks, give careful attention to your herds. At that time, most people were farmers, so the modern day application of this is to know where you're at financially. So um, you need to know your financial facts. Most people don't, and they're making decisions based upon personal desires or guesswork, and that's uh, that's very dangerous. The next thing is to develop and implement a a cash flow budget. a cash flow plan or a budget, with 40 references in the Bible. I've done a research on this. There's about 40 references in the Bible to planning. God admonishes us to plan ahead, and the most practical way to do that is to develop and implement a budget. If you don't like the word budget, call it a spending plan. And the the objective is to ensure that you spend less than you earn, in order to uh, have a have a cushion so you can pay down debt and save for future future expenses. It's 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 really quite simple, but most people do not do it. And also, as you, as you develop your budget or your cash flow plan, make prayer the foundation of your financial planning meeting. As you pray, ask God to direct you. In Psalms 25:12, it says, Who then is the man or woman who fears the Lord? God will instruct them in the way chosen for them. Ask God to enable you to be content with his provision. So often people get into financial trouble uh, by taking on too much debt because of a lack of contentment. This can come in the form of selfishness, covetousness, greed pride, envy. Um, Contentment is the antidote to many of these worldly attitudes. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through Christ, Paul thinks. Everything through Christ who gave me strength. And uh, what was Paul's secret to learning contentment? Think about it. What was his secret to learning contentment? It's in the last verse, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It was focusing on his relationship with Christ, depending on God, and focusing on things of eternal value. When you do that and you focus on things of eternal value, the material things become a whole lot less important and you tend to learn to be content. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And I think of Matthew chapter six, where Jesus basically made it clear that he promised to meet our needs, but not necessarily our wants and desires. So before you spend money, ask the question, is this a need or is it a want and desire? And so often young people accumulate debt on credit cards, like lots of it, buying things that they really don't need, that are more wants and desires. Next, in order to get out of debt, point number six, once you get a surplus of cash each each month, pay off the most expensive debt first, which is generally the credit cards. And if it's necessary, do some plastic surgery, take the credit cards, take a pair of scissors and cut up the credit cards. And going forward, just use cash and a debit card. One thing about cash and a debit card, you can't spend more than you're you're making. And the last thing, depend on the Lord and follow up and persevere until you're debt free. Even if finances is not your area of expertise, God promised that he will meet our needs. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So here's a summary of some practical steps to get out of debt for a student and actually people of other ages as well. Pray and ask God for his wisdom and his direction as to what you should do to become debt free. Number two, regularly study and meditate on God's God's word. Three, evaluate your present financial position, assets, liabilities, revenues and expenses. Four, develop and implement a budget. Five, ask God to enable you to be content with his provision. That's a big one, it's really important. Number six, once you've got a surplus of cash, pay off the most expensive debt first, which is usually the credit cards. And the final point, depending on the Lord, follow up and persevere until you're debt-free. Here's the, um, the case study. I've seen hundreds of cases uh, over the last four decades uh, with young people in terms of their finances. Um, but here's a real-life case study that I've seen many, many times. The name uh, has been chosen had at, at, at just been selected at random. So if your name's Howard, I'm not talking about you. But here's a typical uh, real life common case study. Howard is a single Christian man who just completed his first year of university. During that time, he accumulated student loans and credit card debt totaling $10,000. His girlfriend, Betty, was doing the same. An older man warned him about the dangers of debt. And so as a result, he and his girlfriend attended an in-depth biblical financial study at his church. Harold and his girlfriend were very surprised as to how much the Bible says on finances. They learned they had been violating many biblical financial principles, and if they continued with their worldly ways of managing money, they would end up with $40,000 each of debt, in other words, $80,000 in total upon graduating from university. They were both determined to learn and apply God's financial principles in respect of managing money. First, they wrote down all of their debts and disclosed their debts to each other. They both obtained full-time jobs in the summer and diligently worked at part-time jobs during the school year. Howard and Betty, Betty was the girlfriend's name, both developed a budget to ensure that they were spending less than they earned and had a surplus to pay down debt, and they agreed to be accountable to each other. That's a good thing to do, by the way, is have an accountability partner. And if you have a spouse or a girlfriend, someone you're in a serious relationship with, they're they're certainly an appropriate accountability partner. To continue the story, um, Howard and Betty learned that God promised to meet their needs, but not necessarily their wants and desires, Matthew 6, 31 to 33. So going forward, they asked the question before they spent money, is this a need or is it a want and desire? They eliminated most of their wants and desires and just focused on needs. And Howard sold his car, which was used to pay off his debts and substantially reduce his expenses. As they prayed and depended upon the Lord, they learned to be content to live within God's provision. Although it was difficult in faith, they started to give a percentage of their income to God's work. As Howard and Betty faithfully implemented the biblical financial principles and followed their budgets, God's hands started to move. And this is not pie in the sky, by the way, just a comment here. This is something I see so often. When people start to manage money God's way, God starts to bless them one form or another. So carrying on with the case study, God's hands started to move and God provided them with unexpected income on several occasions and really good paying jobs, full-time for the summer and part-time during the the school year. By graduation, Howard and and Betty had paid off all of their debts. Shortly thereafter, they obtained full-time jobs and they purposely saved a significant percentage of their income. And after three years of completing university, They were married, purchased a house with a good down payment from their savings, and going forward they purposely lived on Howard's income only and they saved all of Betty's income, part of which was used to pay down their mortgage and they also developed a cushion of cash to fall back on for unexpected expenditures. Once they had their first child, Betty was able to stay at home full-time with the kids and there was no financial stress. None whatsoever. So think about that case study. Again, it's real life. I've seen it many times, but it's not that common. The more common one is where a a young man and a young woman get married. They spend way too much money. They accumulate debt and they keep accumulating it and eventually end up in serious financial trouble. However, this couple, Howard and Betty, they manage money God's way. So the first question I have is, what do you think are the actions that Howard and Betty took Um, The actions they took originally when they were accumulating debt, what were those actions that they took that were not consistent with God's financial principles? Think about that. Provide a reference to scripture if you can. Here's what I had. Howard and Betty were unknowingly following a worldly approach to managing money. They were accumulating significant debt and operating under the world's mindset of buy now and pay later. That's the world's mindset, buy now, pay later. God warns of the dangers of debt, Proverbs 22.7, and God promised to meet our needs as we put him first. In Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. In other words, God has promised to meet our needs. It doesn't say God in the bank or God in the credit card company. It's a promise that as we put him first, God will meet our needs. Number two, further, they did not know where their money was being spent. Proverbs 27.23 tells us, Be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. You need to know where your money is. The modern day application of that is you need to know where you're at financially. Most people today don't know where their money's going. And once they start uh, tracking their expenses, which can be done with form number six of the Copeland budgeting system, and it can be downloaded from our website, copelandfinancialministries.org, for free. Once they start doing that, once you start doing that, you become more conscious of where your money's going. You're gonna tend to spend less. Uh, I know that. And if you have an accountability partner, ideally your spouse, or um, um, for Howard, it was his girlfriend, which is appropriate, or someone, you're gonna spend even further less. Number three, both Howard and Betty had not developed and implemented a budget and Christ admonished us to plan ahead. So we need to, they needed to do that, but they didn't do that originally. And they had not been content to live within God's provision. 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world. We shall take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So they hadn't been content. And that was demonstrated by the fact that they were spending more than they were earning and accumulating debt. Number five, Howard and Betty had no savings for unexpected expenditures. Proverbs 2120 says, In the house of the wise there's a storage of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Next, they were not aware of what God's word says on finances. They just didn't know. So they're violating many biblical financial principles unknowingly. Number seven, they made financial decisions based upon their personal desires rather than their financial facts. Proverbs chapter twenty-four, verses three and four says By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. See the key points there, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. Most people don't know their financial facts, so they're just guessing. They're operating based on guesswork or personal desires, so there's just a tendency to spend more than you're making and and accumulating debt, especially because the, the credit's so readily available. So the next question is, list below the actions uh, that Howard and Betty are now taking uh, from the second year of university on after they went through the in-depth biblical f- financial study. What are they now taking that are consistent with biblical principles and provide a reference to scripture for each point? I'd say number one, they've learned and applied God's financial principles. Joshua eight says, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Secondly, Howard and Betty are now aware of their, where their money's going and they have a good handle on their finances. Number three, they're diligently planning their finances by developing and implementing a budget or a spending plan. Howard and Betty have made debt reduction a priority even when they were in university, and uh, God encourages that throughout Scripture. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 28 is an example. Howard and Betty learned the difference between a want and desire as opposed to a need, and generally, they just spent money on needs. That's a big one. Howard and Betty, uh, they sacrificed by reducing their lifestyle. As Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me, Luke 9, 23. Number seven, they learned to be content so they could purposely live below their means and save a significant down payment on a house. That's key. Most people live above their means. Some people live at their means. But it's actually important biblically to live below your means so you have some savings to pay down debt and also save for future needs. And number eight, the last point, they persevered with debt reduction and they moderated uh, their lifestyle. They persevered uh, through, through the trials and the challenges and they moderated their lifestyle and, and God rewarded them. So here's an example of the before and after uh, schedule of expenses for Howard while he was at university and uh, in the slides that follow. And he, one of the assumptions I made here is that Howard lives on campus uh, for eight months of the year and he lives at home with his parents for the other four months so he doesn't have to pay room and board during the four months but he does uh... during the year at at the school the eight months and his parents uh, obviously at home they're covering um, they're covering some some of the costs uh, betty's figures are similar so here's uh, some of the numbers and these are just sample numbers your figures may not be the same but i just want to give you an idea of what a budget could look like um and the expenditures could look like for a, a, a young person in, in, in college. And this this can vary, like I say. The first thing is, um, here's a summary of what uh, Howard's um, finances looked like before he did the in-depth biblical financial study, before he knew what God's word said on finances. Giving to God's work, he wasn't doing anything. Like most young people think, well, I don't have much income, so I, I can't give in anything. And that's not true. You can give something. The is a guideline. It's not a legalism. I'll talk more about them in a minute. Room rental for eight months of the year, he's paying about three hundred dollars a month or twenty-four hundred dollars a year. These these figures are on an annual basis. He has cell phone and internet. Before he was paying about eight for eight months, one hundred and fifty dollars a month, eighteen hundred dollars a year. Food before he was having to pay for food at university, um, and he was paying about sixteen hundred dollars a year. Tuition fees. The tuition fees uh, are basically fixed, and they're eight thousand dollars per year with the uh, tuition fees. Books and supplies were $500 per year. Automobile, gas, uh, insurance, repairs and maintenance was about $5,000 a year. At this point, Howard did have a car. He did own a car and it was costing him about $5,000 a year. Eating out and entertainment. This is one that's often much bigger than young people might think until they actually actually look at their credit cards. And he was uh, spending about $3,500 a year. Miscellaneous expense, those are the other expenses. Don't, don't fall into one of these categories, including new clothes. That was about $1,200 a year. And he was buying, like so many young people, a new smartphone or a laptop uh, more often than necessary and spending on average about $1,000 a year. So you can see his total expenditures was about $25,000 for his first year. Um, he, um, he was earning about $15,000 a year. That's between working full-time in the summer and working full-time and then some in the summer and working part-time uh, during the school year. And you can see he had, an, he had a deficit by the end of the first year of $10,000. What happened? He learned God's way of managing money and he made some changes. One of the first things he did was in faith he just started giving some money to God's work. $500 a year, it only works out to about 3% of his income. That's okay, the tie is a guideline, it's not a legalism. We're no longer under the Mosaic law, we're under grace. And for a young person, uh, if they're not giving 10%, I, I would never be legalistic on it, but I do encourage them to give something to show their faith and trust in the Lord. The room rental at $2,400 a year um, stayed the same. The cell phone and the internet, they, they arranged them, made some arrangements there to reduce that cost to $600 a year. Food, um, he basically couldn't reduce that too much. Tuition fees, of course, were fixed. Books and school supplies were fixed. Now here's where he started to save some money. The automobile, he sold his automobile. Actually used it to pay down his debt from the first year of university and uh, he took transit. Yes, it took more time, wasn't as convenient, and he spent about $1,000 a year, but that's a lot less than $5,000 a year that he was spending on his car. Eating out and entertainment, he cut that way down. Uh, If you look previously, that was $3,500 a year. He now cut that down to $200 a year. Uh, Miscellaneous, including new clothes, that was previously about $1,200 a year. He reduced that to $200 a year. And in terms of the new smartphone and new laptop, he eliminated those expenses completely. So he cut his expenses, from twenty-five thousand dollars down to fifteen thousand dollars a year, and he continued to earn the same level of income, fifteen thousand a year, and you can see he's got a balanced budget. There's there's no longer a deficit, and um, so he was able to make it and, and do that for the rest of his university. And because he sold his car, he was able to pay off all his debts. I've seen cases often where young people's income will actually go up quite a bit once they start managing money God's way. God will give them with a give them an even better job. So. Um, you can see what's happened here, that uh, by implementing biblical principles, Howard is a whole lot better off. By the way, Betty's figures were very similar. I just wanted to demonstrate one. And, uh, and like I said, amazing. They, they made it a point of learning and applying God's principles, and they ended up finished uh, school with, with no debt. Here's some key scriptures I'd encourage you to uh, meditate on. 1 Timothy chapter six: Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world; we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. In other words, we all need to learn to be content with, with um, God providing for our basic needs. And of course, uh, Philippians 4:19, where Paul said, "And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus." And one final scripture, Matthew six thirty-one to 33, where Jesus said, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Your Heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I'd like to uh, now close in prayer. Father, I pray that for everyone listening, that again through your word and your spirit, you would touch their hearts and just cause them to follow up and to learn more about what your word says on finances, They can go to our website, uh, copelandfinancialministries.org, which uh, has numerous resources, most of which are available for free. And I pray they would follow up somehow, either through our website or some other way, and learn what your word says on finances, implement the biblical principles, and manage the money that you've entrusted to them according to your principles and your specific will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to learn more about God's Word on Finances, be sure to check out the numerous resources available at copelandfinancialministries.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance. To learn more, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter under Bible Finance. And be sure to check out the excellent resources available at copelandfinancialministries.org. That includes audio and video financial moments, half-hour shows, an interactive version of Financial Management God's Way, and sign up for Tom's Financial Moments or request biblically-based financial coaching. Most resources are free. Again, the website is copelandfinancialministries.org.